0: Welcome back. Season five, episode five of The Outsiders with me, Chris Bakke, Alex Cohen, and Michael Girdley. Uh, we're excited that we made it five episodes, and uh, I'm glad that you're still listening after five episodes. That's pretty incredible that we've gotten you to listen to like two and a half total hours of our, you know, rants and raves. That's, that's pretty good. I'm happy about that. Well, if it wasn't
1: for video... People would still be questioning whether Alex and I are the same person because evidently we have the same voice. So we're gonna have to work on some strategies for that. But
0: I guess yeah, we do you're that. me.
2: You're, I'm looking at myself in about thirty years' time.
0: <laughs> That'll work. We've got we've got accents practicing. You know, we're uh, we're kicking off in a good direction. All right. Uh, so this is a podcast where we are going to cover the top. I would say four to five to eight, however many news stories we get through. Uh, our goal is to inform you and hopefully make you laugh. And so I think we have a pretty good roster of stories this week. Uh, so let's start. Uh, Michael, why don't we talk about uh, Google doing some some layoffs of some very specific uh, Googlers this week?
1: You got it. Okay, yeah, so um, unlike last week where we looked at articles off of Hard-hitting websites around tech like Cigar Aficionado and some some random El Paso local tech website. Uh, This week i have a I have a news story that I read on CNBC, and it is uh, published on Tuesday. So Google cut eighteen hundred employees in California. And what was most interesting is twenty-seven of them were massage therapists. <laughs> so it shows that they've laid off this many people. A hundred people were cut from the YouTube campus in San Bruno, which is just south of San Francisco, mm. and let go of more than two dozen on-site massage therapists. I picked this article because <laughs> it just continues what we're seeing a lot. You know, this is the time where it's definitely the white collar winter for tech, you know, workers. Uh, But also I wanted to tee up just like an amazing softball for Alex to continue his rant against HR. (laughs) Um, So here's a bit more about it. Alphabet, which uh, owns Google announced it was cutting 12,000 employees, roughly 6% of the full-time workforce. Uh, And according to filings reviewed, released by the state and viewed by CNBC, 1845 positions or 15% of the cuts were in California. Mm -hmm. So interesting, like three times as many California employees as other places were cut. Uh, most of it occurred in and around Silicon Valley. Um, Many were in Mountain View and many were in San Bruno where YouTube is located and Palo Alto saw 53 Wow, I'm
2: so glad I moved out of Mountain View. I could have been one of the impacted employees, but I'm not there anymore, so I'm safe. Did it say uh, how many massage therapists are left at the company? Because that seems like like they're like, Oh, well, we. Like- <laughs> I just, I just pulled it.
0: So, so 27, 27 got laid off, which leaves only uh, 1,922. <laughs> so that's a, uh, that's a pretty big number. So I think th- everybody can still get their weekly massage. I'm not worried.
2: One massage therapist for every exec. It's a one-to-one ratio at Google. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Is there
1: any bigger evidence? Like it's gotta be a top 10 evidence of the excess of the past four or five years mm-hmm. that companies end up having not one, not two. But multiple dozens of massage therapists permanently on staff, like and like, I guess this begs a question: Chris, you're in and you're you're in the staffing business. Why would you hire them full time? Like, why are they not third party vendors that you bring in as you need them? Like, why are they, why are they on the staff? Like, why are they Googlers?
0: I don't understand this at all. I have a theory: mistresses, <laughs> <laughs> people, people <laughs> who you owe lots of money to. I don't know. I mean.
2: You add massage therapists into a company of a hundred thousand plus tech workers, and you're going to end up with a lot of HR cases. And I think uh, this is one of those things HR try to keep in house. So hire the massage therapist instead of dealing with an external company to get all the complaints and actually have to uh, go deal with them.
1: Uh, I mean, it is this interesting. You know, we've gone through this trend where like it has been so difficult to attract great workers that like. We've gravita- graduated from, like, being companies that provide you employment to, like, we're just going to take care of your entire life, right? We're going to give you food. We're going to massage you. We're going to give you a place to live. And it's just it's just happened so slowly and incrementally that nobody's, like, put up their hand and been like,
0: this is weird. <laughs> like, this is just odd. like. Well, like, why in, are we doing in tech this? for years, like, within Fang, you look at what – Netflix pays people, and I, I don't it's know. A if a lot. Still let's this let's way, give like context. Years ago,
2: can you give numbers? Because well, I think people need to know what those what those Netflix numbers are.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I think I think like you would see, for example, like the same level of engineer between Google and Netflix ten years ago, and just base compensation, the Netflix engineer is making four hundred thousand a year, and the Google engineer is making like two seventy. And so Netflix was able to hire all of these incredible engineers because they were paying top salaries, but then they were paying, they were like giving away none of these like fringe benefits. And so what you don't realize is like, yeah, if you work at Google and you're making 270, if you didn't have the sushi lunches, which cost $50 a head, whether you eat them or not, if you don't, you know, if you're you're never using like the, the nursery services and the massage therapists and like the jump rope instructors and the hopscotch classes outside at 3 PM, like you're a fucking preschooler you know, if you're not using any of that stuff, like all of that money comes from somewhere. And so all of these are like getting added into like the perks that, you know, the recruiting team is selling you on. But there's companies like Netflix who are like, if we just cut all that shit out, we get an extra 10000 50000 $150,000 per employee that we can just pay them back in cash and hopefully hire better people who are more serious about work. I don't know if that strategy is actually paid off, but like, the numbers between Netflix and, and some of these like Fang equivalents are, are pretty striking. Yeah. Did you guys see,
2: I think it was a week ago um, or just a few days ago, the Google exec. So it's like reverse roles. The guy who runs food and beverage at Google was laid off and he is now suing Google because his manager uh, was sexually harassing him at a, at all these like offsite events. And, um, the guy's name is Ryan Olahan. He says, Google had failed to act on his complaints about a coworker's sexual advances for a long time. And so he's suing the company and Tiffany Miller was the person who, uh, was sexually harassing him. And she was making advances to him at at the bar and things like that for after work hours. It all comes back to this. HR doesn't actually do anything real at companies.
0: And (laughs) it's just, uh, It's, it's just Google in a nutshell. That's, uh, you know, there, I can't imagine like how often that's running rampant, you know, at these, at these companies. Uh, I mean, that's the problem of having a company with 150,000 people, you know, dozens of whom are massage therapists. Um, speaking of companies who are in deep shit, you want to talk about bed, bath and beyond Alex.
2: (laughs) Uh, happy to. So, um, well, sad to, I guess. So Bed Bath & Beyond is closing. Um, they announced they're closing another 87 stores. Some of those include Bye Bye Baby stores, as well as a couple brands that I had no idea that they operated. I still don't know what they do. And um, and so as the company gets into more and more shit, they're losing money. Uh, they're, well, they're running out of money. They're going to file for bankruptcy. And they're closing uh, 87 out of their still hundreds of stores that are still open on top of the 237 store closures that they announced last year. So somehow Bed Bath & Beyond still had way too many stores for the, for, for the company um, and they're, they're closing more stores. And ultimately, I think the prediction is they're not going to take my advice. They're not going to put me in a CEO and the company is going out of business. That's the news story.
0: We, we got we got a lot of comments of people and by the way alex was was suggesting that bed bath and beyond should pivot and basically go high end and have these showrooms for like high end retailers and i heard from many people that they thought that was a pretty good idea so you have at least like seven shares that would vote in your favor and uh, install you as <laughs> ceo which is good to know
2: yeah unfortunately what i learned what i learned very quickly when i shared that idea publicly was there is uh, no amount of money that could be raised to help pay down Bed Bath & Beyond's debt. And so, unfortunately, I've got, uh, my, my arms are crossed here, guys. There's nothing I can do to help save Bed Bath & Beyond. This is, this is the end of, of, uh, of, of a legacy. RIP BBB.
0: It's, they it's, have uh, lost.
1: It's a tragedy. They have lost uh, approximately a billion dollars in the last 12 months, and they have well over a billion dollars in outstanding debt. Let's look at the old cash flow statement. <laughs> yep. They lost a million, a billion dollars in cash in the last wow. year. Like that's, a. I don't know if you guys are aware. That's
0: a lot of money. That is a crazy amount of money.
2: <laughs> well, so let's, let's talk about companies that are doing well. Um, oil companies are showing record profits. Like during the entire tech turndown, down, like one of the news stories that, that we have pulled up to talk about is that, Shell records record profits of $42 billion, and they're pulling back from renewable energy. This is on top of Exxon also reporting like $56 billion in profits. Like tech is shitting itself. Retail is shitting itself. And oil companies are currently profiting off of one, the war in the Ukraine, but two, rising gas prices and... Um, they're doing better than they ever have. It's like such a weird juxtaposition when you've got everything that tech has been fighting against for a long time, like renewable energy and solar and all this uh, with oil companies profiting. And yet um, tech is, is at super lows right now. Yeah. That's, uh, it's uh,
1: interesting because like. Energy is classically cyclical, right? Like, it's up and down. Like, what's the best way to make a billion dollars in, like, the energy business? Like, start with $2 billion? Kind of like the airline business that way? Or media. Um, Or podcasts. Or media. But it's interesting, like, you got to wonder, is, like, tech starting to head that way too, right? Is it starting to become much more cyclical? Mm -hmm. Especially as you see many more of these businesses like tied to consumer to consumer spending and all that kind of stuff, like it'll be interesting to watch. But if this is kind of the first winter for like tech in general, especially big tech, like yeah, is it going to happen? I, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I now. think tech will rebound. That'll it. be
0: interesting. There there are plenty of ways for tech companies and and media companies like us to survive. And one of the ways that we're going to survive is with our first sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! Coastal Cyber, baby. Thanks for sponsoring the pod. Hi, I'm Shay,
3: a principal and managing partner at CoastalCyber.io. I know firsthand that as a growth stage company, cybersecurity might seem like something that's really only a problem for enterprises or something that you can tackle later as you scale. Unfortunately, the complexity of modern security means that it only gets more expensive and more complex the longer you wait. Let us help you understand your risk in alignment with your tech stack and your growth trajectory, We can help you build plans, build policies, and manage implementation. A strong security posture helps support your ability to grow without getting sidelined by a costly, distracting security incident. A robust security program is a sales enablement tool for your enterprise clients and prospects, many of which are asking more and more difficult questions of their vendors. Finally, a solid foundation in security will help support your desired valuation at the time of your next raise or when it comes to acquisition talks. Find us online at coastalcyber.io and learn how we can help you use cybersecurity as a value creator.
0: All right. I want to I talk about the, the Adani group. We, we almost talked about this a week ago. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we waited because a lot has happened in the last seven days. So the Adani group is this multinational conglomerate based out of India that was started by this guy, Gautam, Gautam Adani. And in September of last year, he's the second wealthiest man in the world. So he's worth 147 billion, I think Forbes says. Today he's worth 84 billion, which means on paper he's lost about 63 billion dollars. Uh, most of that in the last seven days. And he has seven public companies that form the Adani Group in India, and those seven companies have lost over a billion dollars in a mar- uh, hundred billion dollars in market cap in the last seven days. A hundred Bed Bath and Beyonds. For context, that's, that's a (laughs) hundred bed, bath and beyond companies, right? Not stores, but like he has this sprawling empire the wall street journal says they have this very, uh, you know, mysterious way of talking about him. It says his name is plastered on roadside billboards and on airports and on shipping docks. He operates his power plants, light Mumbai office towers and irrigate rural fields. Uh, he, he fuels downtowns by coal. He imports from mines as far away as Australia. And he might be a fraudster. So there's this (laughs) short seller called Hindenburg, uh, who has accused him of stock manipulation, accounting fraud, illegal shell companies, illegal loans. Um, And this Hindenburg is a short seller. Um, It's founded by this guy, Nathan Anderson, who has a fascinating past. But uh, the guy was like an account executive at a fintech company like 10 years ago and is now running Hindenburg, which is like the second most renowned, uh, short seller, I think behind like Citron research. Um, and it's crazy difficult to short the Indian market. So all of these other short sellers are, are kind of like, how did this guy do this? Because I guess India has made it very difficult for, uh, people in other countries to short their stocks. Uh, but he, he somehow found a way. So this guy took out a short position, published like this 55, uh, tweet thread, uh, I think about a week ago. Accusing them of all this stuff, and the thread is crazy. Um, maybe we'll link it, I guess, in the podcast or to the YouTube. But um, there's there's a lot of like FTXy things in this in this thread where mm. they're talking about all of these shell companies and how one company is lending the other one two hundred and two million dollars to fund this new project, and then they show the pictures in this tweet thread of like the entity that lent two hundred and two million, and it's like the most dilapidated shithole apartment. Complex in India you've ever seen, and that's where this like mining operation is headquartered out of. And so this guy is running this like, you know, Coke Industries like conglomerate of India, and it sounds like a, a whole you know big part of it or or many aspects of it might be fraudulent. Um, and then the last thing here is is that he uh, they were going to do a two and a half billion dollar stock sale today, uh, largely to cover a bunch of these debts that they have, and he canceled it in this like public YouTube video that he published through Bloomberg or somebody. And I I was kind of skeptical, like you never know, you know, obviously short sellers, they're trying to short the stock. And if the stock goes down, which it did, they make money. So they're gonna say whatever they want within reason to make the stock go down. But when they canceled the stock sale, this guy, Gautam Andani, who's the CEO of the group, he's like sweating, he starts the message (laughs) with dear friends. He's talking about morals, like these are all things that you do not want to hear from somebody if you're trying to build trust. Like if somebody starts a conversation with like my friend <laughs> no, like you're going to get scammed. And so the fact that he's like, you know, this is the video where he's like clearing everything up. I was like, oh shit, this, this is actually a pretty good short. I think. Yeah.
2: I watched a clip and, um, he goes, uh, he got, he's on the video and he's looking like direct into the camera and he goes, our balance sheet, robust. Our assets formidable. <laughs> And I was like, this guy is so full of shit. <laughs> like the whole time you, and this yeah, podcast, this will... <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> uh, the, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause, cause the Adani group posted like a 413 page rebuttal to this entire uh, set of allegations. And like, you know, when something is real, when you publish a 413 page in depth rebuttal to rebuke the claims, And, you know, they could have posted a two pager that said, we didn't do these things. And like, here's proof, but instead you publish like 413 pages, like, ah, it's a little bit sus. It's, it's like, you know, dear friends, here's our 413 page rebuttal to these claims. But, um, yeah, it'll be, I don't know anything about India market, like stock market or companies, but it's been fascinating to watch, uh, watch all this
0: go down in real time. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Um, all right, let's let's thought, move on. I thought we you were going to we start got... saying.
1: I thought I literally thought you were going to start saying about this guy. He well, he also just bought the largest social network in in India, and he makes cars, <laughs> and uh, he's got a rocket company. <laughs> he's
2: gonna
0: be like, I mean, look, 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 look. A lot of tunnels, yeah. flamethrowers are in the
2: mix, and he I mean, has all that fourteen stuff children with true. his employees. I mean, yeah. I think <laughs> when you zoom out and you sort of take these things that he's being accused of and his companies are, and you apply it to, you know, a man named Milan Usk and, uh, or sounds similar to that, there's there's definitely a lot of parallels that you can draw. And and like, it wouldn't be surprising if that was the next, you know, bombshell to be dropped that Tesla's been loaning money to SolarCity or been, you know, manipulated. I mean, look, like Elon's known for not paying vendors and manipulating, uh, you know, financials. And so I think there's a there's a thread there to be, uh, unwoven, but you know, Adani is the first of the billionaires to be, um, I think to be called out for, you know, it sounds like internal fraud and stock manipulation. Like mm, who knows? Maybe Elon's next.
0: Well, I think, I think that there's a pattern here that's, that's really smart, which is like, if you, if you just watch the Forbes 100, this list that tracks like who the richest billionaires are in somewhat real time or makes an attempt to do it, and you see names on there that you've never seen before, <laughs> and these people are going from like the 7,000th richest person in the world to number two, like within a year. That's not how this works, right? And so if you look at like Sam Bankman Fried, Elon Musk, Gautama Adani, like if you look at these people that rocket up the list in record time, uh, I think that they're like a very fair short. Not because there's necessarily fraud. I think in a lot of cases there clearly is, but like just because it's like what goes up that fast is going to come down equally fast. Like this shit is not sustainable for one person to just create 140 billion dollars in wealth, like literally over a two year period. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is isn't crypto, but it's <laughs> not how it works <laughs> in the rest of the world. Uh, that's not how it works in concrete manufacturing, right? So, oh uh, man. Uh, well, all right I want I want to get to this next story uh, Michael so Google uh, did something pretty interesting uh, with uh, with AI let's talk about it
1: yeah so super fun one you know right now the world is like going nuts I don't know if you guys saw this but chat GPT GPT3 like just hit the most most popular like consumer app ever in terms of launch like just yeah, hundred million
2: hundred million monthly active users.
1: Yeah, just crazy. Which, by the way, 99 million of those are my kid and his friends cheating on their homework. (laughs) So uh, the other night I went in there and literally they were uh, writing love poems to each other in Russian, having GPT-3. Yeah, yeah, the apple does not fall that far from the tree, guys. (laughs) Let me just tell you how this works. (laughs) Okay, so here's here's how it is. So what this has caused is in every other company across – Tech right you have Microsoft freaking out they're putting money at this stupid valuation into chat gpt three the open ai you 've got Google suddenly calling the founders back in, and they uh, put out Google put out their first kind of product of this you know this all hands that they 're on uh and it is a music-based ai and so google created an ai that can generate music from text descriptions but they won't release mm. it so it's very interesting as to why they won't release it you know chat 3 has this kind of problem of being racist <laughs> and some of the stuff if you train it wrong uh but the ai system that google put out can generate music in any genre given a text description but the go- company fearing the risks has no immediate plans to release it called music lm Google certainly isn't the first generative artificial intelligence system for song. There's been other attempts, blah, 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 failed companies, raise money, et cetera, et cetera. But owing to technical limitations, limited training data, none have been able to produce songs as well and as particularly complex in composition or high fidelity as Google has. And Music LM is the first. And the reason is, I want you guys to guess, why are they not going to release this? Mm. Because it's been trained on real music. <laughs> And it keeps putting out copyrighted material, and they have a hard time getting to figure out which is legal and which is illegal. So they would be basically a walking copyright strike for every song that they create because they've trained it on over 280,000 hours of real songs. And you just kind of go along listening to one of the songs, and then suddenly Katy Perry riff. (laughs) <laughs> and then you go back to it with the, rest of the song.
0: You're so that's to, like, the problem with bossa nova, nova going elevator out here? music that a robot generated and then you hear your favorite like Ricky Martin lyric. Uh, You're like uh, okay. Totally. Where did this come from? This is good. Totally. But
1: so the cool thing is you can describe the song you want, which is electronic song played in a video <laughs> game and they have like a version of that and you can like listen to exactly what so, it is, and it shows you the whole thing. How
2: is this different? In terms of copyright, then everything we talked about last week, where you've got written works that have been copyrighted and they're using them to to train these models on, or or pieces of artwork or someone's uh, creative assets in general that are copyrighted. Like, how have we not exposed? How have all the companies not been exposed to massive lawsuits right now? But yet, music is the thing that that has the strictest copyright laws here. Chris, as a lawyer, I'm I'm hoping that you answer this question.
0: It's a a damn good question. I I mean, is it it great question? Yeah, that's a good one. Record labels, (laughs) record labels, are usually founded by lawyers, right? Like they are they are these like it's just a contract machine. It's a it's a it's a group that is not necessarily good at promoting artists. It is a group that is good at protecting artists, right? And so you have like all these major labels where like. There's two people in A and and there's 12 people on the legal team, uh, and so I think like labels are notoriously litigious, and I think like your average shit poster, your average like Wikipedia contributor, if they're finding like snippets of their text like within you know a, a GPT output, I think it's like a a lot harder to prove like where this snippet was actually trained from, and B, I mean if they were using my tweets to train GPT. I mean, good luck for everybody <laughs> using it. I mean, God knows that wouldn't go well. well but yeah, I mean maybe it's just it's it's a lot easier to tell with music. I'm
2: I'm just saying if I find that someone is using my ship posts via a chat GPT generator, I'm suing for copyright over my ship posts.
0: I've been using all of your posts, line for line on Mastodon, and I have over 90 followers Oh, man. That's not (laughs) 90,000, just 90. 91 people. And
2: that's 100% of their MAUs.
1: (laughs) That's right. But to your point, Alex, I think this is the beginning of a shift in how we think about content, right? Like you're going to see that the cost of creation for music is going to go down to nothing. Uh, it could possibly – you could imagine on your phone is an engine that watches what you do, it listens to your mood, and it plays you precisely a song that it creates on the fly that's going to get you hyped up or it's going to get you sad or it's going to be precisely what mm-hmm. your mood is. And I think it's going to be really interesting because this is – you know, as people start to think about what's actually going to end the social networks, like the reason social networks exist is all the connections. You want those other people creating things. But when there's an engine that is smarter than all of those people – Producing something that is precisely what you want to hear, like the world kind of changes and it starts this, to disrupt those people. So this is that this was is uh, one of this my... week's version of Gurdley's Galaxy Brain. <laughs> so thank you for being here. We'll continue on with our regular program. Do you guys want to go back to making fun of Alex's Peloton next? <laughs> back back to <laughs> it's Colton? in view I today. I, I made this, sure this is view. a
0: real thing though. There are there are sound consultants for corporations, and I know this because I worked at a company that had a six figure contract with a sound consultant and in all of our offices globally, they would design music for the sales team to get the sales team pumped. (laughs) So like there's this optimal (laughs) pattern that like would play ambiently over the speakers where like in the morning you would come in and it would be like hard rock and roll. Like 8 a.m., we're hitting the phones, we're ready to go. At 11, it would like calm down into this like pre like, you know, like lunch sprint and then afterwards, like after (laughs) lunch, it's like techno. And then the end of the day, you're writing all your follow-ups and it's like, you know, some salsa music or something, but like, it was like a real thing. Companies actually spend money yep. on this shit. And like, to think that you could actually do this individually, like, yeah, there could be uh uh. Something in, in, there.
2: indeed cool. they did. Indeed. They did. It was not indeed. <laughs> actually, it was Zillow. Oh man. I thought I was, I thought I was on point with the pun.
0: Um, speaking of. <laughs> they might have, the I, I, I don't know. though. <laughs>
1: What was the name of the company that would send out, like, g- partner with local businesses and then send out, like, a bunch of emails and do flash sales? Groupon. About, I'm totally blanking on it. based out of Chicago. Groupon. Groupon so was my shit. The, when you describe this, it gives me PTSD to going back to Groupon's offices, which they just – it was, like, this enormous, disgusting sales machine located next to the waterfront in Chicago, which just like, cubicle after cubicle of, like, young college graduate – Shaking down like Yelp, like mom and pop yeah. food truck odor. Yeah, it was like the most disgusting. They're like, This is our sales operations, like <laughs> gongs everywhere. I was like, You guys are like group on people, like, this Yelp. is not good.
2: College students fucking over small businesses. That was a handshake for those who couldn't see my video.
1: (laughs) It's like over – they were like, over here. Like this is where we're like – this is where we're like shaking down some food truck operator in Topeka to like buy our daily deals to fund their operations next week. Don't look at that. Over here is the free coffee and soda bar.
2: Isn't this
3: great? So I I have two
2: family members who started their sales careers at Yelp as outbound BDRs. Because it's basically the role where, like, if you can't get a job, they hire you. And they're like, man the phones and make calls. (laughs) And, um, yeah, the shit that they do to extort small business owners, whether it's reviews or whether it's rankings or listings. And also just the amount that they call these small businesses, like – like as a small business, you you need to publish a phone number because you need your customers to call you. But Yelp essentially DDoS's your phone lines because they call you four times a day until you answer, and you literally have to like send them in writing. Do not keep emailing and calling me, or I will sue you before they take you and put you on the do not call and suppress your email and phone number. It is just uh, the tactics that they and Groupon's the same thing. I mean, I'm I'm glad that company is a penny stock now. Because they they were taking advantage of small businesses the whole time. Like, hey, we have all these uh, people who want coupons. Um, give us your car wash for sixteen dollars. We'll go market up for twenty four dollars for the customer, even though it costs you twenty dollars to run this thing. Um, and those those services are not sustainable. Like let, it, we talked about, Google having a monopoly of an ad network last week. But in Google's defense, they don't do these things. They have an open bid marketplace where small businesses. Uh, get the majority of their traffic. SEO is free if small businesses make good content. And I don't know of, I mean, they do outbound calls and stuff to try to get folks to buy ad placement, but, um, I don't think Google has ever been as aggressive as as Yelp and Groupon and some of these other companies with driving
0: sales the the best thing about google sales as a as a business owner is when i check my gmail my corporate gmail and i go to spam occasionally to make sure that nothing has you know fallen through the cracks and i see like over the last quarter four different account executives from google have emailed me and it's gone to spam so good right like they can't they can't they're they're like spam <laughs> filtering at gmail is so good they're not even and these aren't like phishing emails or weird emails they're like at google.com and these, like, poor reps, like, can't even get through the filters to, uh, to hit their quotas. It's a tragedy. So
2: talking about AI, um, I think we should shift into the next news story, which is uh, I don't think we've talked about Meta yet or previously known as Facebook. Um, Chris, do you want to tell us what's happening over at Facebook and,
0: and what they're up to? So first of all, I'm triggered when you call it Facebook. It's Meta. <laughs> We're all about the Metaverse here, Alex. So let's, let's get that fact straight right now. Uh, so their stock is up 23% today, uh, which I think it's, it's close to the one-year anniversary, if you guys remember, of when the stock went down 26% in a day because of bad earnings. Mm-hmm. So it's this, like, annual reversal. Where people who haven't had a ton of exposure to the stock market, if you've gotten into stocks around like early 2020, you think it's just totally normal that companies like add and lose 250 billion dollars in market cap in a given day because that's just the way our economy has been for three years now. Um, and Meta's stock is up 52% over the last month, um, and uh, there's there's a lot of, of of reasons for that. I think one crazy thing that came out was that. Uh, not Facebook products, but Facebook itself is doing 2 billion daily active users, which is shocking. I mean, it's it's actually up quite a bit. I think they've added like 150 million daily active users over the last uh, six quarters. Um, so that was surprising. Another it's surprising crazy. thing from their earnings was that Meta lost $13.7 billion in 2022 on <laughs> VR and Metaverse. So I think that that was accelerated from about $10 billion the year before. So as we're talking about Google, you know, cutting their 22 massage therapists or whatever, 27. Meta is like, you know, up the street <laughs> burning. Oh yeah. It's 27. It's a good, good <laughs> fact check. Uh, you know, Meta's up the street, like just burning $14 billion a year in, in, you know, shareholder value uh, developing these headsets. And I, I think like, it's, it's such an interesting bet. Like, I think that they do have to bet on something. So I admire, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's like passion for just burning like tens of billions of dollars in this direction, because it's like getting them out of this ad business, mm-hmm. which is stagnating, but like, what a weird thing to bet on. I think it, at the end of the day,
2: it might be the right it, thing. It reminds basically. me of the story where back when, uh, what was the Sur- Google plus, was that it where uh, Google launched their own Facebook competitor? What was that Google circle? Mm-hmm. What's what was the name? Yeah. yeah I
1: think, Who
0: knows? <laughs> I think it was plus, Google. Plus. I think, I think it became. Google Okay. Plus. Okay. Yeah. So let's
2: refer to it as Google plus yeah, and sorry, listeners. Above. So that's the wrong name. I don't care. So Google plus when they launched back in the day, however many years ago that was, um, I remember reading a story about how all of the Facebook employees were working around the clock. I mean, sleeping at the office, preparing to essentially go to war with Google over, uh, over social. And, um, and Google ended up flopping that entire launch and that social network never took off. They ended up sunsetting it. Um, and I remember in that story, uh, someone from the, the Meta team or Facebook team, now Meta, drove by the Google offices and no one was there past 5 p.m. the the, the day that this service launched. And it's just kind of, I think, that the indicative of the comparison between Google as a company you know, doing layoffs, they've been traditionally soft, they kind of coddle their employees with with all of these perks and nine to five and whatever. Um, And meta like goes all in when they decide to do something, they're all in like, you know, it's it's a little bit different, probably now than it was five or 10 years ago with with a different set of employees, but they've always been really, uh, as Elon would refer to them hardcore engineers. And so, um, I think, you know, Meta's taking a big bet, like Zuckerberg has the money to lose, so, so they, they can go for it. But um, now they're also talking about how they're going to go double down on AI. So we'll see what they do there if they end up burning another $14 billion this year on, on generative AI. And I'm curious to see what happens with, with Meta taking another big bet. But um, they've been known to take big bets and, and be on defense with all their business lines forever. Like, I don't think that's changed still.
0: It's just, it's just such a good business if you can lose, like just completely burn $14 billion on something, no matter what it is, and your stock goes up 23%. I mean, what a, what a, what a joy to run that company. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, the other weird thing about it is I was looking this up. So we talked about VR on the last episode. It's, it's obviously you know, very much the forefront with this metaverse thing. VR headset sales are down year over year uh over like over the holiday seasons which is pretty crazy like you would think I was trying to think like is there any other I get with things like you know early computers they were this like hobbyist thing and and you know the internet uh actually didn't grow all that fast over the first couple years and then it just took off like you know like a weed like has there been anything else in tech that's actually like declining in popularity because nobody gets it. And then some company like Meta just comes in and like, you know, resuscitates mm-hmm. it. I just, I, I don't know if they're moving fast enough in that, in that direction to, to make a real impact here. You know, Apple's delayed their headset, I mean, Meta's Meta's not shipped anything interesting in a long time. Well, if you, I mean, if you look at what Apple's doing, like all the rumors are they're going for the thing that's actually interesting,
1: which is augmented reality, not virtual reality. Like virtual reality just sucks. <laughs> like have
2: you, have you used it? Like I, I, like, I like real reality. I feel like that's an uncommon take these days. I just like real life walking outside.
1: I, I want augmented reality. You want, you want to know why I want augmented reality? I want these glasses that I'm wearing. Whenever, like, it knows I'm talking to you, Alex, I don't have to look at the screen to remember your name, right? That's what I'm looking for here. Like, I, no, I'm just joking. But, like, I can't remember people's names. Like, I'm partially autistic or whatever. But, like, I want that. I want reality to be better, and that's what most people want, especially, like, like no. everybody, like they just want reality to be better. Nobody wants to go to some shitty version of the yeah. world. Like that's, and that's what they keep creating. It's like, hey, you want to go to second life? Like, no, I want to go to first life. I so, just want it to be better. Like I want to not sit in a, sit in the car for like 45 minutes to get to work. Yeah. And so I think that's what Apple gets really well. And, you know, I think to your question, Chris, like, is it going to matter like that Meta's doing this? No, because VR just sucks. Like nobody <laughs> wants it. They're trying to create something that nobody actually wants. They should have gone and done some Have you heard of this thing called lean startup? They should have considered it. <laughs> Go talk to some customers. See if anybody cares. Cuz nobody does. Nobody wants it.
2: I read that I re- I read that book once a week to make sure that I'm always on top of my lean startup game. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weekly read. <laughs> it's a must. So speaking speaking of That's companies scary. that uh mindlessly absorb our attention and struggling. Um, We should talk about Netflix for a second and their plan to crack down on sharing passwords. So in the wake of them struggling, Netflix impending crackdown on password sharing includes plans to force users to regularly connect via their home Wi-Fi. The streaming giant's help page reveals details of how the company will finally take a tougher stance against the practice, which millions of people in the US and the UK are estimated to partake in. So... You have Netflix, who's been struggling. They went through a round of layoffs. Like, I think they can't produce any interesting content anymore, and subscribers are churning or they're or they're sharing accounts. They're like, "Well, how do we fix this?" Well, one, they've raised prices. Now it's twenty two dollars a month for me to have Netflix across my family plan, which is absurd for for the shitty rom coms that my wife watches once a month, and Coco Melon, in, in my baby's defense. So, and now to help, they are going to prevent people from, from sharing accounts. And the way that they're doing this essentially is they're going to track IP addresses and device IDs and where you are connecting to Netflix from. So if you don't connect to your home Wi-Fi at least once every 31 days, uh, they will consider that account not eligible for sharing passwords. So
0: that's Netflix plan to save the company at the moment. This is a, this is a digital nomad nightmare. You know, what if you're what if you're traveling around the world? What if, you know, you're a VC with multiple <laughs> homes? I mean, what what is a home Wi Fi really? You know? My my summer home in the Hamptons, is that is that not a home as well? You know? Second and third and fourth homes are people too. You know? This is really Look, awesome. this is
1: a recession. Who's gonna think about that deadbeat second cousin that you gave the password to last month who hasn't worked in six months and needs to watch the latest Episode of Oh, maybe this joke would be better if I could remember any shows. From Tiger, there's Tiger no King. Good shows on Tiger Netflix. King. Is that's that Netflix problem. or HBO. Stranger Things. Oh, like they need. You know what they need to do? Tiger King three. Like that guy needs to come out for extra. I thought he was dead. He's just not delivering. I mean, that's kind of what happened this week in the news. There, we prepared for today, and there's like, man, there's nothing good in the news. We need some Trump, or we need some. We need like an Elon Trump mm-hmm. like Twitter debate, something to make this like just push it to one hundred. So, yeah. Well, Twitter, you know, I mean, in Twitter news, um,
2: they're getting rid of their free API and they're going to start charging for a paid API plan. But that's really not that interesting. Like, Who gives a fuck? It's a Twitter API. So it's not really that exciting <laughs> for us. It's like, yeah, sure. Companies will pay for it. They won't access the Twitter data. Congrats, Elon. You're going to generate four more, four more million dollars per year out of your three billion dollars in interest payments.
0: That's the news story. What's next? <laughs> yeah, All right. Can I do crypto <laughs> before we wrap up? Yeah, let's, let's talk about this okay. last, so we'll, and then we'll end.
1: There's some crypto going on, crypto going on, and here's here's the theme this week: the old people are coming for your crypto. Okay, two things have happened. Your crypto. So okay, so here's what's going on. So on 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 Twitter, I put out a hey, DM me your biggest loss, your biggest L uh, of of your life, and I'll post it anonymously in the thread. I got like 400 DMs, all people who'd <laughs> lost like 1,400 bucks buying NFTs or crypto. Like every single, it was just like I had to cut it off because it was just like more and more people. So all of these retail investors bought into the crypto hype and have got their money stolen by Sam Bankman Freed, and they are now broke, right? And they're paying it off on their credit card. And so we got two things happening. So there's a news story where uh, today Charlie Munger, vice Pre- vice chairman of the Wall Street Journal. Put down a uh, put down a uh, basically an editorial that crypto should be banned in the United States and the Chinese are smarter than us for doing it, which, you know, who I (laughs) want to take advice from? Ninety eight year olds like I'm dying to take advice from 98 year olds who write op ed pieces (laughs) in the Wall Street Journal. Like, no, it's just a bad sounds like a great idea ban crypto. I support it. (laughs) <laughs> what what are we gonna tweet about? If they ban crypto, there's nothing to tweet about. This show is we can't even do the show. We got. I'm keep so fucking tired of
2: NFTs, though. The second... I'm so tired of all the all the airdrops. Like, no, it's a scam. <laughs> Just call it for
1: what it is. Let's stop adding a fun name to things. Dude, you got to give props to the people that have watched it go up, ran the scams all the way up, and then are still running the scams <laughs> in the in the bottom here, like in the trough. Like, dude, like they're putting in the work, they are. right? Like, and I tweeted today, I was like. You can tell it's a recession because the grifters are wearing suits now. That's how you can tell the state of the economy. Like <laughs> well, that's look, exactly look, if we, ban, if
2: we ban crypto, also, at least the grifters will always have a job at Groupon or Yelp doing outbound sales.
1: <laughs> for sure. Well, or the other they're place they're going to get a job, Washington, D.C., because right now Congress is blaming the White House for lack of crypto regulation and the white house is blaming congress for a lack of crypto regulation because you know all those people that lost 1400 bucks on smoking uh, pot smoking monkey jpegs you know what they're doing <laughs> they're calling their state they're calling their mom to give them money cuz they need it and you know who their mom's calling they're representatives and their senators and saying what are you going to do about this crypto thing cuz my son lost 1400 bucks and i'm having to put it on my amex like that is what's going on there's a massive chain and it goes all the way from the guy living in mom's basement to mom to the senator to Charlie Munger, to the Wall Street Journal, back to affect you and your tweet and this podcast. So I, I am wildly
0: pro-crypto because you know who's going to sponsor this podcast? Crypto companies. You know, they, <laughs> they, you. They, they grifted people out of all that money. They have the money. It's true. We need to go get the money. So we got to be nice to well, the crypto companies. Love what it's... you guys are doing. Totally not a scam.
2: I remember... In like peak pandemic, uh, I was talking to an agency that hires shit posters to basically get, get, pay them to sponsor their company's tweets. So they sit in the middle of like companies and ship posters and uh, their largest. Well, so let, let's take a guess. Who do you think their largest ad client was? Sam Bankman Freed. A hundred percent. It was fucking FTX. Yeah.
0: FTX.
1: <laughs> so for the cool amount. Of $5 million per year, we will change this podcast to be the most pro-crypto <laughs> podcast in history. Um, we just need it all, and we will not take crypto for payment, by the way. We want real money, like real Canadian <laughs> I don't want your dollars, token. Some euros I don't want your something. token. Yeah, no, we don't want your uh, token. We
0: want real I'm money. I'm not trying to get Tom Brady'd here. You know? yeah, Mexican pesos,
1: we don't cash. care what it is. We'll take, we're taking real money, but yes, we will go pro-crypto. We will sell out in a heartbeat. We just... We're, we're here for you
2: cool i think that's all of the uh
1: very riveting news articles we have for today for you can we talk can we talk about two meta <laughs> podcast things number one uh i could tell there's a huge blizzard ice storm in austin right now because there's a parka on your peloton <laughs> alex so thank you that's like a, a weather report i also appreciate how halfway during the podcast alex you just
0: decided to be the host like, it's really good. I, I, it's a good. It's a good switch. <laughs> like,
1: I don't like the
3: way this is
0: like going. It.
1: I'm going to host this one from here on out. I, I like we just win. chiming in we...
0: on stuff. I like, you know, having to like switch topics and stories is so exhausting. I love when other people do it. <laughs> Did I do a good job at least? I yeah, loved you it. You were great. Yeah. 10 uh, out of 10. I
1: think you were totally worth the money. <laughs> the, the, you don't get paid for doing this. Yeah. You pay for what you get with me. Zero. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, I'm going to take over now. Cause, uh, if you're still listening, open up your podcast app, leave us a review, and if you think somebody that you know, pick one person that you know, our ask would be send a link to the podcast, whichever of the five episodes you think is your favorite, and say listen to these idiots. They're pretty funny, and occasionally I think they stumble on being right. And ask mm. them to listen because uh, we're trying to get this thing more popular because we need advertisers because we're total grifters. Is it that the right? This is working.
2: And look this this week <laughs> this week is on me. If you. Give us a review or refer a friend, and you can prove in my replies that they signed up or whatever. Listen to the podcast. I will buy you this time the the Costco Blizzy dog. So dollar fifty straight to your Venmo account. You go buy a oh fuck that's what I was I was gonna go to Costco before our episode today and buy a hot dog. But the roads were shut down. So that cool. didn't happen today. <laughs> Next we'll week, <laughs> I'll bring a Costco there, hot bring your hand out like
0: that. <laughs> we'll do a fan art compilation of yeah, people mir- photoing, photoshopping uh, yeah. various things in there.
1: Oh no, this
2: is, yeah. this is going to end up. Go. Go. If recruit, <laughs> so
0: if you, so the deal is if you
1: recruit one for each, well, let's say for each person you prove has subscribed to our podcast, meaning they set it to automatically download, mm-hmm. you're going to, we're going to give them a, a free hot dog at Costco. A buck 50. And it
2: comes with a yep. with diet. Well, it comes with a Sodi Pop. So you get a hot dog and a Sodi Pop. doesn't matter. Refer your mom, your dad, your brother, your grandpa, Charlie Munger. We don't care. As long as they auto-subscribe to the podcast, we'll buy you a hot dog for each referral. So
1: they got to just prove that they've set their podcast client to automatically subscribe, and it's a buck 50 a time.
2: Yep. And Super if you safe. take a selfie at Costco with your hot dog... I will buy buy you something else, and we'll figure out what that is after.
1: (laughs) I need you to buy him a 14-pound jug of almonds. That's that's what I think of (laughs) when people go to Costco. All right. See you next week.